Chapter Six, Part One of the Eventful History of the Mutiny and Piratical Seizure of H.M.S. Bounty, Its Cause and Consequences. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brett Downey. The Eventful History of the Mutiny and Piratical Seizure of H.M.S. Bounty by Sir John Barrow. Chapter Six, Part One. The Court Martial. If any person in or belonging to the fleet shall make or endeavor to make any mutinous assembly upon any pretense whatsoever, every person offending herein and being convicted thereof by the sentence of the court martial shall suffer death. Naval Articles of War, Article Nineteen. The court assembled to try the prisoners on board His Majesty's ship Duke on the twelfth september seventeen ninety two and continued by adjournment from day to day sunday excepted until the eighteenth of the same month footnote twenty four present vice-admiral lord hood president captain sir andrew snape hammond baronet captain john colpoise captain sir george montague captain sir roger curtis Captain John Baisley, Captain Sir Andrew Snape Douglas, Captain John Thomas Duckworth, Captain John Nicholson Inglefield, Captain John Knight, Captain Albemarle Bertie, Captain Richard Goodwin Keats. The charge is set forth that Fletcher Christian, who was mate of the bounty, assisted by others of the inferior officers and men, armed with muskets and bayonets, had violently and forcibly taken that ship from her commander, Lieutenant Bligh, and that he, together with the master, boatswain, gunner, and carpenter, and other persons, being nineteen in number, were forced into the launch and cast adrift. That Captain Edwards, in the Pandora, was directed to proceed to Otaheite, and other islands in the South Seas, and to use his best endeavours to recover the said vessel and to bring in confinement to england the said fletcher christian and his associates or as many of them as he might be able to apprehend in order that they might be brought to condign punishment etc that peter haywood james morrison charles norman joseph coleman thomas ellison thomas mackintosh thomas burkett john millward william musprat and michael byrne had been brought to england etc and were now put on their trial Mr. Fryer, the master of the bounty, being first sworn, deposed. That he had the first watch, that between ten and eleven o'clock Mr. Bligh came on deck, according to custom, and after a short conversation, and having given his orders for the night, left the deck. That at twelve he was relieved by the gunner, and retired, leaving all quiet. That at dawn of day he was greatly alarmed by an unusual noise, and that, on attempting to jump up, John Sumner and Matthew Quintal laid their hands upon his breast and desired him to lie still, saying he was their prisoner, that on expostulating with them he was told, Hold your tongue, or you are a dead man, but if you remain quiet there is none aboard will hurt a hair of your head. He further deposes, that on raising himself on the locker, he saw on the ladder, going upon deck, Mr. Bly in his shirt, with his hands tied behind him, and Christian holding him by the cord that the master-at-arms churchill then came to his cabin and took a brace of pistols and a hanger saying 
I will take care of these, Mr. Fryer. That he asked, on seeing Mr. Bly bound, what they were going to do with the captain. That Sumner replied, Damn his eyes! Put him into the boat, and let him see if he can live upon three-fourths of a pound of yams a day. That he remonstrated with such conduct, but in vain. They said he must go in the small cutter. The small cutter? Mr. Fryer exclaimed. Why, her bottom is almost out, and very much eaten by the worms. To which Sumner and Quintal both said, Damn his eyes! The boat is too good for him. Then after much entreaty he prevailed upon them to ask Christian if he might be allowed to go on deck, which, after some hesitation, was granted. When I came on deck, says Mr. Fryer, Mr. Bly was standing by the mizzenmast, with his hands tied behind him, and Christian holding the cord with one hand, and a bayonet in the other. I said, Christian, consider what you are about. Hold your tongue, sir, he said. I have been in hell for weeks past. Captain Bly has brought all this on himself. I told him that Mr. Bly and he, not agreeing, was no reason for taking the ship. Hold your tongue, sir, he said. I said, Mr. Christian, you and I have been on friendly terms during the voyage. Therefore, give me leave to speak. Let Mr. Bly go down to his cabin, and I make no doubt we shall all be friends again. He then repeated, Hold your tongue, sir, it is too late, and threatening me if I said anything more. Mr. Fryer then asked him to give a better boat than the cutter. He said, No, that boat is good enough. Bly now said to the master that the man behind the hen-coops, Isaac Martin, was his friend, and desired him, the master, to knock Christian down, which Christian must have heard, but took no notice. That Fryer then attempted to get past Christian to speak to Martin, but he put his bayonet to his breast, saying, Sir, if you advance an inch farther, I will run you through, and ordered two armed men to take him down to his cabin. Shortly afterwards, he was desired to go on deck. When Christian ordered him into the boat, he said, I will stay with you if you will give me leave. No, sir, he replied, go directly into the boat. Bly, then on the gangway, said, Mr. Fryer, stay in the ship. No, by God, sir, Christian said, go into the boat, or I will run you through. Mr. Fryer states that during this time very bad language was used by the people towards Mr. Bly, that with great difficulty they prevailed on Christian to suffer a few articles to be put into the boat, that after the persons were ordered into the boat, to the number of nineteen, such opprobrious language continued to be used, several of the men calling out, Shoot the blank! that Cole, the boatswain, advised they should cast off and take their chance, as the mutineers would certainly do them a mischief if they stayed much longer. Mr. Fryer then states the names of those who were under arms, and that Joseph Coleman, Thomas McIntosh, Charles Norman, and Michael Byrne, prisoners, wished to come into the boat, declaring they had nothing to do in the business, that he did not perceive Mr. Peter Haywood on deck at the seizure of the ship. On being asked what he supposed Christian meant when he said he had been in hell for a fortnight, he said, from the frequent quarrels that they had, and the abuse he had received from Mr. Bly, and that the day before the mutiny Mr. Bly had challenged all the young gentlemen and people with stealing his coconuts. Mr. Cole, the boatswain, deposes that he had the middle watch, was awakened out of his sleep in the morning, and heard a man calling out to the carpenter, that they had mutinied and taken the ship, that Christian had the command, and that the captain was a prisoner on the quarter-deck that he went up the hatchway, having seen Mr. Haywood and Mr. Young in the opposite berth, 
that coming on deck he saw the captain with his hands tied behind him and four sentinels standing over him two of which were ellison and burkett the prisoners that he asked mr christian what he meant to do and was answered by his ordering him to hoist the boat out and shook the bayonet threatening him and damning him if he did not take care that when he found the captain was to be sent out of the ship he again went aft with the carpenter to ask for the longboat that they asked three or four times before he granted it that he saw mr peter haywood one of the prisoners lending a hand to get the four stayfall along and when the boat was hooked on spoke something to him but what it was does not know as christian was threatening him at the time that haywood then went below and does not remember seeing him afterwards that after the few things were got into the boat and most of the people in her they were trying for the carpenter's tool chest when quintile said damn them if we let them have these things they will build a vessel in a month but when all were in the boat she was veered astern when coleman norman and mackintosh prisoners were crying at the gangway wishing to go in the boat and burn in the cutter alongside was also crying that he advised mr bligh to cast off as he feared they would fire into the boat the court asked if he had any reason to believe that any other of the prisoners than those named were detained contrary to their inclinations answer i believe mr haywood was i thought all along he was intending to come away he had no arms and he assisted to get the boat out and then went below i heard churchill call out keep them below the court do you think he meant haywood i have no reason to think any other mr peckover the gunner's evidence is similar to that of mr cole's and need not be detailed mr purcell the carpenter corroborated generally the testimony of the three who had been examined the court asked did you see mr haywood standing upon the booms yes he was leaning the flat part of his hand on a cutlass when i exclaimed in the name of god peter what do you do with that when he instantly dropped it and assisted in hoisting the launch out and handing the things into the boat and then went down below when i heard churchill call to thompson to keep them below but could not tell whom he meant i did not see mr haywood after that the court in what light did you look upon mr haywood at the time you say he dropped the cutlass on your speaking to him witness i looked upon him as a person confused and that he did not know he had a weapon in his hand or his hand being on it for it was not in his hand i considered him to be confused by his instantly dropping it and assisting in hoisting the boat out which convinced me in my own mind that he had no hand in the conspiracy that after this he went below as i think on his own account in order to collect some of his things to put into the boat the court do you upon the solemn oath you have taken believe that mr haywood by being armed with a cutlass at the time you have mentioned by anything that you could collect from his gestures or speeches had any intention of opposing or joining others that might oppose to stop the progress of the mutiny witness no the court in the time that mr haywood was assisting you to get the things into the boat did he in any degree whatsoever manifest a disposition to assist in the mutiny witness no the court was he during that time deliberate or frightened and in what manner did he behave himself witness i had not an opportunity of observing his every action being myself at that time engaged in getting several things into the boat so that i cannot tell 
the court putting every circumstance together declare to this court upon the oath you have taken how you considered his behavior whether as a person joined in the mutiny or as a person wishing well to captain bligh witness i by no means considered him as a person concerned in the mutiny or conspiracy lieutenant thomas hayward late third lieutenant of the pandora and formerly midshipman of the bounty deposes that he had the morning watch that at four o'clock fletcher christian relieved the watch as usual that at five he ordered him as master's mate of his watch to look out while he went down to lash his hammock up that while looking at a shark astern of the ship to his unutterable surprise he saw fletcher christian charles churchill thomas burkett the prisoner john sumner matthew quintal william mccoy isaac martin henry hillbrandt and alexander smith coming aft armed with muskets and bayonets that on going forward he asked christian the cause of such an act who told him to hold his tongue instantly and leaving isaac martin as a sentinel on deck he proceeded with the rest of his party below to lieutenant bligh's cabin that the people on deck were mr john hallett myself robert lamb butcher thomas ellison prisoner at the helm and john mills at the con that he asked mills if he knew anything of the matter who pleaded total ignorance and thomas ellison quitted the helm and armed himself with a bayonet that the decks now became thronged with armed men that peter haywood james morrison two of the prisoners and george stewart were unarmed on the booms that fletcher christian and his gang had not been down long before he heard the cry of murder from lieutenant bligh and churchill calling out for a rope on which mills contrary to all orders and entreaties cut the deep sea line and carried a piece of it to their assistance but soon after lieutenant bligh was brought upon the quarter-deck with his hands bound behind him and was surrounded by most of those who came last on deck this witness then states that on the arrival of the pandora at matavay bay joseph coleman was the first that came on board that he was upset in a canoe and assisted by the natives that as soon as the ship was at anchor george stewart and peter haywood came on board that they made themselves known to captain edwards and expressed their happiness that he was arrived that he asked them how they came to go away with his majesty's ship the bounty when george stewart said when called upon hereafter he would answer all particulars that he was prevented by captain edwards from answering further questions and they were sent out of the cabin to be confined he then describes the manner in which the rest of the mutineers were taken on the island having stated that when he went below to get some things he saw peter haywood in his berth and told him to go into the boat he was asked by the court if haywood was prevented by any force from going upon deck he answered no the court did you from his behavior consider him as a person attached to his duty or to the party of mutineers witness i should rather suppose after my having told him to go into the boat and he not joining us to be on the side of the mutineers but that must be understood only as an opinion as he was not in the least employed during the active part of it the court did you observe any marks of joy or sorrow on his countenance or behavior witness sorrow lieutenant hallett late midshipman of the bounty states that he had the morning watch that he heard lieutenant bligh call out murder and presently after saw him brought upon the deck naked excepting his shirt with his hands tied behind him and christian holding the end of the cord which tied them in one hand and either a bayonet or a cutlass in the other 
that the cutter was hoisted out and mr samuel mr hayward and myself ordered to go into her but the boatswain and carpenter going aft and telling christian they wished to go with the captain rather than stay in the ship and asking to have the launch it was granted on being asked if he saw peter hayward on that day he replied once on the platform standing still and looking attentively towards captain bligh never saw him under arms nor spoke to him does not know if he offered to go into the boat nor did he hear any one propose to him to go into the boat that when standing on the platform captain bligh said something to him but what he did not hear upon which heywood laughed turned round and walked away captain edwards being then called and sworn was desired by the court to state the conversation that passed between him and coleman peter heywood and george stewart when they came on board the pandora edwards joseph coleman attempted to come on board before the ship came to an anchor at otaheite he was soon afterwards taken up by canoes and came on board before the ship came to an anchor i began to make inquiries of him after the bounty and her people the next two came on board were stuart and peter haywood they came after the ship was at anchor but before any boat was on shore i did not see them come alongside i desired lieutenant larkin to bring them down to the cabin i asked them what news peter haywood i think said he supposed i had heard of the affair of the bounty i don't recollect all the conversation that passed between us he sometimes interrupted me by asking for mr hayward the lieutenant of the pandora whether he was on board or not he had heard that he was at last i acknowledged that he was and i desired him to come out of my stateroom where i had desired him to go into as he happened to be with me at the time lieutenant hayward treated him with a sort of contemptuous look and began to enter into conversation with him respecting the bounty but i called the sentinel in to take them into custody and ordered lieutenant hayward to desist and i ordered them to be put into irons some words passed and peter haywood said he should be able to vindicate his conduct lieutenant corner of the pandora merely states his being sent to bring the rest of the mutineers on board who were at some distance from matavey bay the prisoners being called on for their defence the witnesses were again separately called and examined on the part of the prisoners mr fryer the master called in and examined by mr haywood if you had been permitted would you have stayed in the ship in preference to going into the boat witness yes prisoner had you stayed in the ship in expectation of retaking her was my conduct such from the first moment you knew me to this as would have induced you to entrust me with your design and do you believe i would have favoured it and given you all the assistance in my power witness i believe he would i should not have hesitated a moment in asking of him when i had an opportunity of opening my mind to him same question being put to mr cole the boatswain mr peckover the gunner and mr purcell the carpenter they all answered in the affirmative mr haywood asked what was my general conduct temper and disposition on board the ship witness beloved by everybody to the best of my recollection in the same question mr cole answers always a very good character mr peckover the most amiable and deserving of everyone's esteem mr purcell in every respect becoming the character of a gentleman and such as merited the esteem of everybody mr cole being examined gave his testimony that he never saw mr haywood armed that he did not consider him of the mutineers party that he saw nothing of levity or apparent merriment in his conduct that when he was below with stuart 
he heard churchill call out keep them below and that he believes haywood was one of the persons meant has no doubt of it at all that bligh could not have spoken to him when on the booms loud enough to be heard that hayward was alarmed and hallett alarmed that he by no means considers hayward or morrison as mutineers mr purcell being examined states that respecting the cutlass on which he saw mr hayward's hand resting he does not consider him as being an armed man that he never thought of him as of the mutineers party that he never heard captain bligh speak to him that he thinks from his situation he could not have heard him that he was by no means guilty of levity or apparent merriment that he heard the master-at-arms call out to keep them below that mr hallett appeared to him to be very much confused and that mr hayward likewise appeared to be very much confused the court asked as you say you did not look upon the prisoner as a person armed to what did you allude when you exclaimed good god peter what do you do with that witness i look upon it as an accidental thing captain edwards being asked by haywood did i surrender myself to you upon the arrival of the pandora at otaheite witness not to me to the lieutenant i apprehend he put himself in my power i always understood he came voluntarily our boats were not in the water prisoner did i give you such information respecting myself and the bounty as afterwards proved true witness he gave me some information respecting the people on the island that corroborated with coleman's i do not recollect the particular conversation but in general it agreed with the account given by coleman prisoner when i told you that i went away the first time from otaheite with the pirates did i not at the same time inform you that it was not possible for me to separate myself from christian who would not permit any man of the party to leave him at that time lest by giving intelligence they might have been discovered whenever a ship should arrive witness yes but i do not recollect the latter part of it respecting giving intelligence mr fryer again called in and examined by mr morrison mr fryer states he saw him assist in hoisting out the boats that he said to him fryer go down below the court asked whether it might not have been from a laudable motive as supposing your assistance at that time might have prevented a more advantageous effort witness probably it might had i stayed in the ship he would have been one of the first that i should have opened my mind to from his good behavior in the former part of the voyage states his belief that he addressed him as advice and that in hoisting out the boat he was assisting captain bligh mr cole the boatswain states that he ordered morrison to go and help them with the cutter that he told them the boat was overloaded that captain bligh had begged that no more people should go in her and said he would take his chance in the ship that he shook morrison by the hand and said he would do him justice in england that he had no reason to suppose him concerned in the mutiny lieutenant thomas hayward states that morrison appeared joyful and supposed him to be one of the mutineers on being asked by morrison if he could declare before god and the court that what he stated was not the result of private pique witness not the result of any private pique but an opinion formed after quitting the ship from his not coming with us there being more boats than one cannot say they might have had the cutter this witness was pleased to remember nothing that was in favor of the prisoner lieutenant hallett states he saw morrison under arms being asked in what part of the ship he says i did not see him under arms till the boat was veered astern and he was then looking over the taffrail and called out in a jeering manner if my friends inquire after me 
Tell them I am somewhere in the South Seas. Captain Edwards bore testimony that Morrison voluntarily surrendered himself. Mr. Fryer did not see Morrison armed. He was in his watch, and he considered him a steady, sober, attentive, good man, and acknowledged that if he had remained in the ship, with the view of retaking her, Morrison would have been one of the first he should have called to his assistance. Mr. Cole gave testimony to his being a man of good character, attentive to his duty, and he never knew any harm of him. Mr. Purcell bore witness to his good character, being always diligent and attentive, did not see him under arms on the taffrail, never heard him use any jeering speeches. Respecting the prisoner Musbrat, Mr. Cole's evidence proves that he had a musket in his hands, but not till the latter part of the business. It is also proved that he assisted in getting things into the launch. Mr. Peckover saw him standing on the forecastle doing nothing. He was not armed. Lieutenant Hayward saw Musbrat among the armed men, was asked when Captain Bly used the words, "'Don't let the boat be overloaded, my lads. I'll do you justice. Do you understand the latter words, "'My lads, I'll do you justice,' to apply to clothes or to the men, whom he apprehended might go into the boat? Witness. If Captain Bly made use of the words, "'My lads,' it was to the people already in the boat, and not to those in the ship. The court. To whom do you imagine Captain Bly alluded? Was it, in your opinion, to the men in the boat with him, or to any persons then remaining in the ship? Witness. To persons remaining in the ship. End of chapter 6, part 1. Recording by Brett Downey.